At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick. Uh, a lot to get to on today's show. The reopening trade is back on. Thank you very much, Moderna. Thank you very much, AstraZeneca. We'll talk about those two headlines. And really, it's just a repeat of what we've been talking about for, I don't know, weeks, maybe months at this point. But every time we get new uh, COVID vaccine news, the market loves it, and people just trample over themselves trying to buy. You're seeing that happen again this morning. Uh, the market's up, reopening stocks up, airlines, casinos, retail, you name it, up on those vaccine headlines. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Apple uh, got some good news out of the European Union court. They don't have to pay uh, $15 billion in back taxes. We'll talk about that. Our earnings this morning, Goldman Sachs, UNH, uh, Netflix reports tomorrow. We'll talk about that as well. And our guest today is David Trainer. He is the founder and CEO of New Constructs. He will join us at 8.35, and he does a really good uh, earnings analysis, uh, like macro earnings analysis, and talks about um, what to look for in earnings reports and why expectations may be out of line with reality. So that'll be at 8.35. Uh, before I bring Dennis on, I want to uh, tell people that we've been trying to post some highlights from the show. If you hop into the uh, community section of our YouTube channel, so youtube.com slash Benzinga TV, and there's a little community community tab. We've been posting uh, highlights or trying to of that. So uh, check that out if you can. Uh, I think it's my spiel. Dennis, good morning. What's going on? A lot is going on today, actually. Funny you ask. Can't stop, won't stop. That's no. this bull train. It will not stop, and it will find the reasons. And obviously, I, we said this on Monday. If we're going to pop three to 400 points every time we get some positive news on a drug trial, this Dow is going to be at 35,000 or 40,000 by the end of the year because we don't go down on the bad news or we go slightly down you know, just from technical reasons. And then a headline on a vaccine just takes us right higher again. And, and that's what we saw Monday. It's Groundhog Day here again on Wednesday. What stocks are going to go up today? You know what stocks are going to go up today. It's all the stocks, the trash stocks. Boeing, retail, cruise lines, airlines. That is what they're going to pile into this morning. And they are piling into since 5.15 last night. 
when Moderna came out and gave some positive news. What was that news, Mr. Israel? Here's the money quote from the press release. Uh, it sh their vaccine showed, quote, immune responses in all participants and no trial-limiting safety concerns were identified. These findings support further development of this vaccine. I mean, so, oh, so oh, it's Moderna. good news. It's yep. good news. Moderna shareholders being rewarded. Should the S&Ps be popping through, you know, 30 handles every time we get positive news? That's what it does. I mean, so I don't know if it's justified, if it's not justified, but you can't worry about what's justified and what's not justified. You got to worry what's in, in front of you. And if you short this market, again, it's very difficult because here you are, you have life yesterday morning. S&Ps, well, actually life yesterday late morning because we started to roll over and look like, oh, this could get ugly. And then we just start to go up a little bit in the afternoon. We start to have the buy the dippers come in and then everybody, every long bailed out once again from the Moderna headline. But not only that, we had a positive headline from AstraZeneca too on the vaccine front. So the double, the double good stuff there. What a zebra and say, because they are trading up 4% in the pre-market as well. Yeah, this one's less official. The Moderna thing was a press release. It was an announcement from the company. This is a report from a British outlet. Uh, and he said that uh, his report is going to be uh, replicated in a uh, in, in the Lancet, which is one of the oldest and most well-known medical journals in the, in the world. But uh, the report is that the Oxford COVID-19 vaccine that AstraZeneca is backing uh, is generating uh, the kind of response that researchers want and would uh, would lead to uh, further studies. So there's there there's going to be a phase three study, or actually they're they're underway with their phase three study uh, in Brazil. But uh, it got some love from this British outlet, and he said that The Lancet, which is this old journal, is going to talk about the efficacy of this vaccine here shortly. So uh, positive. Vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Just like we yeah. said Monday, it's the trade deal all over again. So, oh, we got a deal. Oh, we don't got a deal. Oh, we got a vaccine. Oh, well, we don't have quite have a vaccine, but we're going to get a vaccine. I, I think there's going to be 100 headlines like this in the next six months. You know, like yeah. we got two in the last three days. So yeah. there's so many companies working on this. I mean, and, you know, if they get a disappointment, is the market going to sell off 30 points or 40 handles? Probably not, because on the trade deal, we'd rally. Oh, we got a deal. We'd rally 30 handles on the S&P. And then we don't have a deal. We'll sell off 10. And then we'll rally 30 and we'll sell off 10. Mm -hmm. We can do that math pretty quickly. Three steps forward, one step back. Just keep stepping forward. So I do not want to be short this market. I am a buy the, uh, on the dips. I added some more risk to my portfolio yesterday on the pullback, which obviously was a good thing. Um, I added to my LCA. Um, I, I've, I've bought that three times now. I really believe in that stock. Um, it, it's in the long-term portfolio, though. But, you know, I was adding some other stocks, too, just on the dip, um, just allocating capital there. Because what do we do? We buy the dip and sell the rip, and we got a hell of a dip there yesterday. So I took that opportunity to start adding some stocks to my long-term portfolio. I don't know if I should sell them out here right away because we just ride you know, 100 S&P points since you know 10.30 yesterday morning. It's an incredible rally. So if you come in here buying it now, again, you're doing it backwards. Buy the dip, sell the rip. It's not buy the rip, sell the dip. So you're selling yesterday, you're doing it wrong. You're selling today, you're doing it right. Um, with that being said, I think... You know, the all-time highs, the way the market just shrugs off the new cases, the deaths are not climbing substantially yet. They're not. You can't, and then we got the vaccine trump card. So you can see a lot of reasons why this market just wants to go to new all-time highs. So maybe it's back on the table. 
and I saw some uh, a newer listener in, in the YouTube chat earlier. Uh, and so the biggest thing is we're just trying to teach you how to think a little bit. So think about uh, good vaccine news. Uh, the market uh, interprets that as we're gonna we're, we're good to go essentially. So think about every every company, every stock affected by the shutdown, retail, cruise, tourism, travel, those are the stocks. lodging. All of those stocks trade together, and they're all trading higher this morning. The hotels, Dave and Buster's, the casinos, the airlines, every business affected negatively by the, uh, this crisis is going to see a pop today. Every one of them, unless they have news about that specific company that's, that happens to be bad. But pretty much across the board, they're going to see rallies today in all those stocks. Oh, that's what you're seeing already here this morning. Those are the leaders. I'm mean, bring up your Carnival Cruise Lines. It's up 8%. Your Norwegian Cruise Lines, it's up 7.5%. Your American Airlines is up 8.5%. Boeing, a little bit, you know, bigger stock, higher price, less beta than American Airlines. It's still up 3.5% here this morning. House of Mouse, you know, it doesn't matter about the reopening of the parks, but the reopening potential of the economy from a vaccine does matter. And it's up 2.9% here this morning. So it's clear, those are the stocks. So if you're wondering, you come in this morning, like, why is Netflix down six bucks? Netflix doesn't want a vaccine. Netflix, you know, I'm not saying the company doesn't, but the stock itself wants everybody to stay at home forever and just keep watching Netflix. So there's lockdown plays and there's reopening plays. The lockdown plays are likely to have rotation coming out of them today. So I had Josh from Twitter. He wanted to just talk Netflix. So I can just talk technically on it just for a quick second. But bottom line here is it's going to show weakness here because there's vaccine news. So when there's vaccine headline breaking, it equals sell Netflix, it equals sell Amazon, it equals sell Shopify, it equals sell the video games, it equals buy Boeing, it equals buy airlines, cruise lines, retail, and restaurants. So, and the rotation is very, very clear here this morning. You can see the queues only up 0.26%. Why? Because technology works in any environment. It's not going to benefit directly from the vaccine. Yes, a little bit, but nothing like, you know, the IWM components, which is up 2.83% here today. So today, IWM value investing, uh, reopening plays are winning over the NASDAQ. Um, if you look, Amazon obviously trained down 24 points here this morning. Again, people think, hey, the economy reopens, we're going to go out, we're not going to buy as many things from Amazon. I think they're buying stuff from Amazon no matter what. I would probably, I'm in Amazon already, but I think weakness on some of these you know, companies that just rock in all environments is probably a buying opportunity. But you know, maybe it shakes out for a couple of days. We'll see what happens. Amazon obviously had the, the, the key reversal there two days ago. So it's a little bit out of favor for now when everybody just had to get in and pile in at 3,300, then it fell under 3,000. So let's see if yesterday's low holds in Amazon and that's 2,950. And actually, uh, Moderna headline vaccine vaccine headline notwithstanding, we've seen a weak couple of days here for the for the if you want to call it the work from home trade, right? Stocks like Slack and Zoom, yeah. and Team, yeah. Um, and you can even play the there's new ETF WFH work from home. Um, that trade has been off for the past couple of days, and it's going to be off again today. Yeah. And um, you know we talked work. We've talked, um, you know, and, and there's a huge support level on work at 30 bucks. I had it. I bought it at 30 and a half there. I sold it a couple days ago when I started seeing the rotation start to come out of those names. I sold it just basically in that, in that, um, uh, you can see that where it spiked up to over $36, but it looked like, um, 
you know, so they were starting to reverse and that's when I sold my work. So that was a swing trade. I'm out of it. Gets back down to 30. Maybe I'll take another shot. So we'll see. It's down 10 cents here today. Could show some weakness because it's a, it's a lockdown play. It's a COVID play. It's not a reopening play. So huge support of 30. If it gets down there, I'll probably take another shot at it. Yeah. So uh, that's the story of the day. That's the theme of the day. Reopening trade, hot, uh, work from home, stayed home trade, uh, not. Is, is, is as, as Dennis said, the video game stocks, your, maybe your, your software, your work from home software like Slack and Zoom, yeah. uh, Netflix, anything that, you that you've been leaning on heavily while stuck in quarantine, uh, any stock is, is not going to be up today. Uh, you've just- got to understand these rotations if you're a day trader. If you're a long-term investor, you should understand it too because if you're coming in and buying stocks like Netflix last night on this, it, it's, it's a selling opportunity because they're probably going to get hit. I know last night, some of these stocks initially traded up because they're like, oh, the S&Ps are going, you got to buy everything. You got dumb algos out there, just buy everything. And then, you know, a few minutes later, you start to see the separation start forming. That separation isn't immediate because the algos aren't programmed for it yet. They're slow. Um, you know, yes, algo trading is out there. Yes, they're good at their market making. Yes, they're, but they're not good at new relationships. They take a long time to program them all in and figure them all out. And they're not pure. I mean, they bounce around, you know, these relationships. Obviously, you know, we're not going to be talking COVID relationships two years from now. At least I hope we're not still talking COVID two years hope from not. now. <laughs> I hope we're not. If we are, you know, we're going to be talking a lot of bankruptcy on companies too if we're still uh, worrying about COVID in two years. Yeah. But um you've got to understand these rotations and that's what we try to bring you on the show i mean there's a lot of com- a lot of shows out there that talk technicals there's a lot of shows out there that talk fundamentals we try to bring all of that but we also try to bring you the relationship trade it's something bright trading stocktrain.com is specialized in for 25 years and there's a reason why our traders make money a lot of our traders make money every single year and a lot of them you know like myself every single month because we're exploiting those little relationships that other people aren't exploiting. So if they want to just buy something up last night, like even, you know, you can look at, you know, a stock like Lavongo Health, for instance. LVGO catches some love from Credit Suisse here this morning. Also catches some love from Mad Money this morning. It's trading up 2.5%. I'd ring the register on this for, for the simple reason that this is a reopening play. And they're buying it this morning because CS comes out with a price target raise. And, you know, and it's a big one. And Jim Cramer gave it a whole bunch of love last night on Mad Money. It's trading almost 106 last night. So it's already leaked off those highs. 104 here right now. This is a classic reopening stock. So there's, a, you know, if you're just following the relationships here, it says sell LVGO this morning when it's spiking up. So um, can, you know, Cramer and can Credit Suisse overpower the reopening? Maybe. But I, I, I bet on the reopening um, and, play and that equals sell on on these lockdown stocks more so than i bet on kramer's pump and uh cs's pump one thing i have not looked at um look at it now is the relationship that vaccine uh, stocks have to other to other vaccine stocks so monday we got bntx and pfizer with news today we have moderna and azn with news how are pfizer i guess they're trading with the rest of the market right pfizer and bntx are up uh they're they're just they're on their own vaccine, and they had good news two three two days ago, but I guess they're they're just way they're just correlated with the, with the rest of the market. Um, but which stock you're looking at? BNTX and Pfizer, just the stocks that had the good news on Monday. The, the vaccine. I mean that's yesterday's news, right? right so right. yesterday's news. They're still trading up, so I guess is my point. They're just 
in a trade. trade We're seeing a lot, and again, the rotation and devalue a little bit too here this morning. Spencer probably helps a stock like Pfizer. It's helping the IBB. It's helping the XBI. Yeah. It's basically you, you've got those two. Um, obviously, you know the, the the two plays going head to head with each other. You've got the value play and the growth play, and it seems like you get very few days that both are in favor. You get very few days that both are out of favor. It's like rotating the growth or rotating the value. When you get the vaccine, they rotate into the value. When you don't have vaccine news, they start to rotate back into the growth. So if you're in these growth stocks today, they're probably going to underperform. I mean, the Qs are only up 0.36%. So Pfizer up 1.6%. Not surprised. Money rotates, even though, you know, you could see Moderna as a competing play. Pfizer's a value stock and money is looking at value here today. Warren Buffett would be smiling today, and his stock is trading up 2%. Value oh. is in favor, at least this morning. And these rotations change. I mean, yesterday, and somebody's pointing out, you know, you were saying to sell into this rally. Yeah, I was. Yesterday's rally was to be sold into, in my opinion. We were trading up. Actually, we were trading up almost. Where were we yesterday morning when I was talking about that? Um, 3, 315, 316. And we sold off after that. Um, and then we started to catch a bit, but you know, what I was talking about, I wasn't, I don't think I was really talking S and P's to be sold. No. I was specifically talking Tesla. I was specifically talking yeah. Apple. I was specifically talking stocks that were rallying in the morning. Um, the techs, the tech plays and the tech really got hit after that. It came back as the buy the dippers come back, but you know, I'm, I'm, I, I've got to, you know, it, it's difficult. You know, maybe I should have an investor hat. Maybe I should have a trading hat. I'm a trader. I'm talking trades for the most part. Like, what am I doing here at the open? What am I doing, you know, you know, on Tesla? I mean, Tesla, I was like saying, yeah, I would sell the rip up in Tesla. I was 100 points higher. Stock was trading 1602 when I was saying that. Yesterday, it, it opened around, you know, it opened actually a lot lower than that, but it was trading 1602 in the pre-market. It went all the way down to $1,431. So you're talking about a 170-point fall after I said I would sell it rip into Tesla. Here we get the rip in the market and Tesla's still not back to that 1602. So be careful, like, you know, when you're listening, don't just take, you know, oh, sell all in your portfolio, buy in all your portfolio. If you're a long-term investor, you need to, you know, have, you know, stronger hands. You're not buying and selling your stocks every single day. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to the day traders. I'm talking to the short-term investors. When I'm talking to the long-term investors, we know in my long-term investment account, I've said I've been in a lot of cash. It's been wrong. I've been very wrong from a long-term investing standpoint because obviously we've rallied significantly from the lows. And I did not account for the fact that they're going to rally every time we get any positive headline. They find the silver lining and everything. But that's what this market is doing. So my long-term portfolio, I'd be buying dips. But as traders, I'm buying dips and selling rips. Today, I'm probably taking profits if I bought stocks yesterday. Uh, one more thing on this Moderna news. If this is your bag, uh, the the uh, registration for the trial begins on the 21st uh, and the initiation of the trial is the 27th. So if that's your bag, we, we wonder at how, you know, how people get in these vaccine trials. So if, if one of you, uh, if one of you is into that, I guess let us know because I'd be curious to find out. But uh, should we go to the banks here, Dennis? Because we do have some more yeah. bank earnings today. Maybe we should talk about the, uh, the follow-through in Wells, J.P. Morgan, and City yesterday and then go to Goldman here this morning. But uh, Wells Fargo uh, was able to come back. Citigroup, not so much. But Wells Fargo was able to come back uh, and actually traded higher in, in the after-hour session. So, A lot of 
bad news baked in here. We knew about the dividend. We've got some major support. We talked about the support around 2371. It did breach that, but then got back above it. Mm. You had the 22s in Wells Fargo to lean on from back in May. So you're coming into where you have a, still an area of a lot of support. So it's going to take some serious bad news to knock Wells Fargo down here now. And it was serious bad news yesterday. Yep. And obviously the stock went down significantly, but I think it's backing and filling now. I'd actually be a buyer of Wells on a pullback here just because right now there's, you know, obviously the potential here where we've got some vaccines coming. There's so many vaccines cooking. I mean, vaccine changes everything. So I'm buying dips if I get dips. I'm not coming here and buying stocks today, though. Again, you're coming in and buying them when they're, you know, chasing them up here. You're doing it backwards. I'm just going to keep saying buy the dips and sell the rips. People saying I'm wrong 90% of the time. I don't know. I make money almost every single day, so I can't be wrong 90% of the time. But even if I'm wrong, let's say 60% of the time, it's about discipline. It's about cutting those losers and, you know, admitting when you're wrong. And you can be wrong. I've seen some great traders be wrong more than they're right, and they still make money every single month. And how do they do that? Because they cut their losers and they let their winners run. So their winners are just a hell of a lot bigger than their losers. So it's okay to be wrong. Don't think you know as a trader, you're going to be right 100% of the time. It's totally okay to be wrong. I have no idea how, when I'm right, how much I'm right, how much I'm wrong. I feel like I'm right more than I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. But I'll tell you, I make money. I've had now since 1999. You can, you know, this is, you know, if regulators are listening, I have the records to prove it. In my bright trading account, I have made money every single month since 1999. Not one losing month since 1999. So I think I'm doing okay. Um, you should, when, when hockey comes back, what you should do is you should plot your, uh, P and L against the Oilers record. <laughs> well, the Oilers are a different story here, Spencer. The Oilers never seem to do that. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so do you know who I don't want to talk hockey? We're right, hoping, uh, we're hoping this year is going to be different, but I'm scared of the Blackhawks too. So <laughs> I hope we're going to get hockey. I hope we're not going to get to a point because a lot of people, a lot of players, it looks like who potentially have COVID. Yeah. And I hope it doesn't get to a point where they just like start saying, oh, this may not work. I hope it works. I want to see hockey again. But I don't want to go on a hockey tangent. Do you know uh, who else is, has been making some good trades? The, the people at Goldman Sachs have been making some good trades. Exactly. And well, this is what we talked about. This. Did we talk about this yesterday on the show? I think we did. We did, yes. We specifically so said yesterday on the show, and it's somewhere on the tape yesterday, but we talked about Wells Fargo versus J.P. Morgan. What was the difference? JP Morgan's got some heavy trading operations, but nothing like Goldman. Goldman's got big trading operations. So I said yesterday on the show, I said, I almost want to be long Goldman going to the report. I took Goldman Sachs home long in the intentions that I might go through, but then it got bit up after hours so much. And it was up so much ahead of the report that I was like, I'm just going to take, take the, you know, the sound. I just sold it, you know, after hours last night. And obviously it's up Classic. way more than that now. Classic Dennis. Yeah. So it was, so I should have held anyways, but I took the quick buck and I didn't have to take it through the report and it's obviously up significantly. Why? Because the trading side's killing it. Break down the report for us, Spencer. Yeah. I don't really know how, how comparable these numbers are to the estimates, but I'll read them nonetheless. Q2 EPS, $6.26 versus a $3.78 estimate sales. Uh, 13.3 versus $9.7 billion. Here's where they made their money. Global markets revenue up 93% on a year-over-year -year basis. That segment accounts for 
uh, 54% of their overall revenue. That's their trading, uh, that's their, their equity, uh, fixed income, uh, commodity, uh, and currency trading operations. So revenue for that segment up, what I say, 90, 96%, 93% year over year. Uh, investment banking revenue up 36%. So just massive trading revenues. Volatility goes up, traders make more money. My profits have nothing to do with whether the market is going up or down. It has everything to do with what is the VIX doing. VIX is higher. Traders who are doing market making, arbitrage, um, you know, statistical arbitrage, headline trading, any type of you know, traders that are basically trading off of inefficiencies make more money when the VIX goes higher. Your high frequency traders, you know, Citadel isn't sitting there and thinking, oh, I think, you know, uh, I like the chart on this stock and I think it's going higher. So I'm going to take, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a flyer here and put, you know, 10% of Citadel's net worth into this one stock. They're not doing that. You know what they're doing? They're taking advantage of the inefficiencies. They're making markets. That's where they're making the most money at all. They're making markets. So they're on the bid and they're on the offer. When you have trading volumes up higher, there's more traders transacting on the bid and transacting on the offer and they're making more spreads. And the spreads, when the VIX goes higher, the spread goes wider. So that's where they're making the money. So as the VIX goes higher, anyone who has tra significant trading operations, like professional trading operations, typically makes more money. That's why I make more money. That's why Virtue Financial makes more money in these markets. That's why Citadel is likely making more money in these markets, although they're private, but we know they're killing it. And that's why JP Morgan did well on the trading side. And that's why predictably yesterday, which we said, Goldman Sachs is likely going to kill it on the trading side. And they absolutely did. All right. So, so it's up eight bucks for that. Yep. Stock up. Uh, what is the, there four, so 4% 4 this morning. We're at just about 223. I'll just pull up a daily. We can kind of get a, get a feel for this one longer term. So still not all the way back, but for the banks, I mean, Goldman Sachs is your leader. JP Morgan is your leader. So uh, th those are going to lead here, but yeah. The banks are going to be back in the favor. And now the people are scrambling, looking, oh, what other, you know, well, we've kind of got, so we've got Morgan Stanley coming yet. They have significant yep. trading operations too. Yep. So um, when is Morgan report? That's tomorrow. It's already up 3%. So now the question is, is the bar set too high for Morgan Stanley? Coming you buying it up 52, maybe it even hits 53, it's breaking out. The bar is set higher, you know, unfortunately for, you know, if you're just looking at it just from that perspective, yep. but. And any, in any regards here, trading, I just want, you know, traders to realize, you know, that it's different in the professional world. You know, like I, I've always said, I don't make money. Um, the majority of my money isn't making calls and what I think. The majority of my money is made by trading and exploiting market inefficiencies. And there is a ton of them out there when the VIX explodes. I mean, the VIX is 20. When the VIX is trading 70, 80, it's just inefficiencies all over the place. There's bloody margin calls happening. So, you know, there's, there's stocks that are being forced sold. Yeah. So when you're getting stuff that's forced sold um, and, you know, there's still reasons for being there, you find, you know, you buy that and you find a stock with similar and you short against it. I still, like I said, I trade market neutral. I'm always exploiting those market inefficiencies. If you want to learn more about that type of stuff, I would suggest looking at stocktrading.com and looking at bright trading. If you want to, you know, continue, you know, and, and the majority of traders that listen to the show are looking for swings. And that's why I try to make some calls on the show. And I try to play these, you know, I try to do some of this stuff with you guys, you know, like LCA, I've been making a long-term investment call there. Not a trade, not a day trade, not a swing trade. I stuck it in the retirement account because I believe that the valuation is attractive. I believe there's a story here going forward. 
that's you know the recent one when i add something to the long-term portfolio i typically tell you guys because that's stuff you know that you know I, I feel like you know and sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad but i feel like that's stuff that you know other people you know might want to participate in it's hard for me to talk stat herb with you on this show i talk it a little bit there but those trades are so fast you're in and out I mean, there, you know, there's not that much opportunity like for me to just say, oh, yeah, quickly, hey, look at this opportunity. They don't exist for very long. Those, those opportunities typically only last a few seconds. I mean, last night on Moderna, the way I was playing it, I'm buying the reopening stocks and I'm selling those tech stocks. And, you know, if you just flat out on the MRWM headline, bought IWM and shorted QQQ, you probably would have some slippage. But as of right now, you'd be up 2.2%. That's the play. That was the play. And last night, you probably could have put it on for maybe, you know, 0.5%, 0.7%. So, you know, you'd still probably possibly be up 1.5%, even if you were late to the party. That's, that, that's the play. That's how you play those things if you're a trader. You want to do uh, UNA trainings? Is that on your radar? Yeah, let's do them. I mean, I mean let's do. Let's fly through the earnings for sure. I mean, they're in the Dow, aren't they? They're pretty notable. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Q2 EPS seven dollars and twelve cents for UNH versus a five dollar fifteen cent estimate. Revenues sixty two point one four billion versus a sixty three point four billion dollar estimate. So they missed on the revenue by a hair, beat on their EPS estimate for whatever those estimates are even worth. Uh, I'll pull the pre-market chart up here so you can see. It's, it doesn't trade much in the pre-market. So UNH, um, it, it was a good report. It had run up a little bit into it yesterday. Um, the revenue missed is the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the bottom line beat, but the revenue missed? Yep. I mean, that's mixed report, really. So I shouldn't say it's a good report. So it's hanging out here. It doesn't know what to do. Um, it's traded 47,000 shares. It's just chopped around a little bit here. So... You're going to have to wait till the market opens digested. I'd say if you're in it, 315 is major resistance there. If it pulls back to yesterday's low around 300, buy the dippers will emerge. UNH is a loved company. I think if this pulls back 8 to 10 bucks, it'll find love again. So again, on earnings, the way I'm approaching this earnings season, if you've got companies that you really like and they miss for whatever reason because it's going to be an ugly quarter, maybe those are the ones you, know, you, you, you nibble into. Last earnings season, I did that in Target. It worked out really well. I did it in, I did a number of stocks, CyberArk. That one worked out as well. So CYBR after the earnings missed last quarter, you can see the big fall. I bought around 96 bucks back to 107. Just buy, basically buying the dip on the disappointing earnings. I mean, Facebook, if you're buying on that headline there uh, a couple weeks ago there, obviously w- with all the political stuff going on in the headlines and obviously, you know, it's, it's, it, it fell off significantly, but it came back three days later. So buy good companies on dips always works. UNH is a good company. If that was to fall 10 bucks, I'm not saying it's going to, but I'm saying if it did, I'd be a buyer down there. Uh, and we're going to talk earnings, uh, sentiment, earnings, expectations with our guest here in five minutes, David Trainer. He's the founder and CEO of New Constructs. Between uh, then, uh, now and then, let's look at Apple here. Uh, big headline, big win, big legal win for Apple here overnight. They do not have to pay that massive fine, that record fine, $15 billion in back taxes in from Ireland. That's per the EU's general court. So um, the EU itself might appeal, but for now, that's good news for Apple. They're going to save $15 billion. I wouldn't buy, I would not buy Apple up here. I own in the long-term portfolio, not getting rid of it. So if you've had it for a decade, hold on to it like I am. 
Um, $400 is a huge number for it. It got up to $399.82 and then quickly rejected it, went down. You got some people who are caught a little bit in this. They're getting their money back here this morning. Um, the NASDAQ, again, I don't think is going to be your leader here today as long as there's the vaccine and, and obviously keep Boeing up and keep those reopening stocks up. But as long as that rotation doesn't turn the other way, I think Apple actually would be faded here. So I'd be a fader of the six-point rally in Apple for the simple reason it's not a reopening play. Uh, speaking, like of, reopening this morning. speaking of Boeing, actually, uh, the power of the reopening trade is, is, is strong enough to outweigh uh, the fact that what they report another like 60 cancellations uh from the uh, i saw phil lebeau was uh, was breaking down the numbers on cbc yesterday but they reported uh just a massive order deficit uh for the month and for the quarter but it doesn't matter right reopening none of that matters if a vaccine yeah. comes too i mean the market is pricing that hey we might get a vaccine we got all these companies just think about the market you know what the market is thinking we have all these, you know, pharmaceutical companies working on the same problem, working on a vaccine. We keep getting positive headlines. Eventually, somebody's going to hit. And you know what? If the vaccines actually work and all of a sudden they don't have to worry about COVID as much, people will fly more. People will, you know, and so they're going to pile back into these stocks. With that being said, as part of this business model of airlines is going to change just for the reasons that the Delta airline CEO, when he was on CNBC a few days ago, I believe it was a Delta one was talking. I mean, consumer habits are somewhat changing. The business travel might not happen as much as it used to. So I don't think even with a vaccine that the airlines are getting back to the profits that they were making. Um, and that's not good news for Boeing. So I don't think Boeing's going back to $300, $350 anytime soon. But in this market, you never know anything. But if the vaccine comes, Boeing quickly, we all of a sudden we get, yes, this vaccine works. This is finalized. We're going to start, you know, the Boeing, all these stocks will be significantly higher. Mm -hmm. But they're going to go up so much in incremental increments before that, you know, positive vaccine headline, they pop, they, they pop six bucks. But we're still going to get lots of positive vaccine headlines. So I'd say trade them. Trade them on these headlines. You see the headline? It's the stocks you're trying to pile into, you know, 30 seconds a minute after those headlines. You see the headline, you know, break the other way and it's disappointing vaccine news. They come out of these. It's just clear rotation here this morning. And the rotation is identical to Monday into the reopening stocks and basically out of tech. How would you approach Bank America here? They report with Morgan tomorrow. Bars, well, they don't have as much trading operations. So they have, they no. all have some, but but, look but at not it. like a Goldman or a Morgan. So bars a little higher. It's up twenty four eighty here, so it could oh, hit right? twenty five. It, it it's not like like Goldman seemed like an easy call because the stock hey hadn't really run up yet. It was a two fourteen, and it ran up a little bit, but. Um, it, it, it just seemed like an easier call at JP Morgan kill on trading. You know, we, we know Virtu would kill it on trading. I know my own portfolio, I've been killing it on the trading side. It just seemed like an easy call that Goldman was probably gonna make a lot of money because of the trading side. It's not that easy for Bank America. Yes, they've got some, but it's not like Goldman. So um, I, I, don't, I think it's a curveball. I don't know how to play yeah, that one. Tough I'm, one. Betting, I'm, tough I'm one. out. Yeah, not trading right. it. And it's a curveball, and for that reason, you're out, right? Yeah, I don't. I swing at pitches up the middle. That's yeah. why I make money consistently too. I'm never swinging at. Oh, I think this might go this. I'm, I'm, I'm going with like when the ducks are in a row. I like the technical setup. I like the story. I like where the market's going. I want those three ducks. So I want the market in my favor, first of all, because I'm not buying anything. The market's tanking. I mean, yes, buy the dip, sell the rip. But I mean, you know, at that moment in time, if I think the market is going to tank, I'm not going to buy a stock. So I want to first be thinking that the market is going to go higher. Secondly, I want, you know, usually a story or at least a stock trending up that's, you know, in favor. 
And sure. then third, you know, obviously I, I want, you know, a, often a catalyst, like something on, you know, a story or something with it. And I want the technical setup as well. I want it to look like, hey, you know, this looks okay. Like work when I bought Slack, you know, a week and a half ago for a swing trade just above 30. I was like, well, I got major support here. So I have a technical setup and some of the, you know, the lockdown stocks were starting to show life again. And then work started to show life too for a few days. Now that's broken. But, you know, now I look that, you know, the stocks that are getting thrown out today are going to be those lockdown stocks. Those, you know, work sometimes, those work in, in both environments. So yeah. it depends on, you know, obviously what you think the overall market's going to do. But it's been buying the dip and selling the rip so much that today I'm not really looking to buy stocks. I'm looking to sell stocks. And, you know, if we come off and we fell 500 points for whatever reason, because it seems like we're always just chop around, then I'll look to buy the dip on those stocks. But today, if you get a dip on some of these stocks that you've wanted in your portfolio, I don't know if I want to jump into a Netflix here. Yes, you know, Netflix is going to trade down. Yes, Netflix got rocked. But it's so, if, if we get a vaccine and we're coming out of this, you know, lockdown and we're going to go full reopening, Netflix is crazy expensive. <laughs> So, you know, does it reprice to where it was 300 when this started? I'm not sure about that. You know, there's a lot of people who maybe tried Netflix for the first time and really like it. But is it worth 550 if we're reopening? I don't know about that either. So there's, there's safer places for my money than Netflix. All right. Let's bring our guest on now, David Trainer. He is the founder and CEO of New Constructs. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing okay, doing okay. David, you have a different way of looking at earnings season. Uh, talk to us about how you look, because we, when we're on the show, you know, we look at surface level estimate, beat, miss, and then go from there. But you approach things this differently and talk to us about how you, how you approach it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hearing you guys talk and I'm thinking, you know, what we do is a nice compliment to exactly what, what Dennis was talking about. Uh, we're we're not really looking necessarily at, at headlines or sort of recent trends. Um, we know that there are a lot of folks that are a lot better at that than us. Uh, but what we do is complement that by looking sort of beyond skin deep to the, to the scrub numbers. And, and that's taking into account footnotes and other disclosures that uh, are very important to the overall earnings picture, but are not readily available to investors. They're not in Wall Street numbers. Uh, in fact, they're not anywhere else, um, and this has all been recently proven by a study from Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan. So we've got this technology that gives you a cleaner, better earnings number. And so we'd like to focus on that, where earnings are understated and overstated. We like to go long or short. It's the longer-term trade. It's sort of a safer, more fundamentally driven play. Um, not nearly as sexy as what Dennis is doing. Uh, buying the dip and selling the rip, but um, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent complement to strategies like that. But there is a number that you can lean on at, as like the base, right, for this analysis? Like well, I mean, our, yeah, our number. So it's a core earnings number. It's a cleaner core earnings number. And the, the idea is that, especially these days, right, the numbers, no one's, everyone's saying the numbers are a joke because there are going to be so many unusual expenses and issues COVID-related in the 2Q number. Uh, in fact, we saw, even though in the first quarter, we only had about maybe a half a month to a month of COVID in those numbers, we saw almost as many write downs in the 1Q numbers as we did in all of 2019, right? Like 60% as many in just that partial period. So we think in 2Q, we're probably gonna maybe see as many write downs uh, as we did in all of 2019 and for 2020, 
a huge spike in write downs. And it's not just because of COVID, it's because businesses like to throw in the kitchen sink when things are bad. Uh, in some ways, it's sort of a reflection of what you guys were talking about a minute ago. You know, when, when sentiment is down, companies know that no matter how good their news is, their stocks won't jump as they will in a positive sentiment or bullish environment. So they clean the books, they write things, everything down that they can uh, while things are bad because they know it's bad. It doesn't really matter if they do anything good and they want to clean the books for when things get positive again. All right. So let's talk today right now. Your, your thesis is your argument is that uh, core earnings have actually not fallen. They've diverged from operating earnings and therefore the, the picture is not as bleak as many assume. Correct. No, that's exactly right. And I think that's why we see the whipsaws in the market, right? You know, the sentiment sort of um, on a day-to-day basis overplays the news in a lot of ways. I think it, we'd all agree, right? That the world is not changing as much as the market changes. And so our core earnings number for, for the first quarter shows around a 2% decline, where Wall Street consensus is showing closer to a 25% decline, right? And I- so it's a perfect example of how traditional – Wall Street consensus and traditional measures of core earnings are misleading. So I put up this chart here. Uh, you say don't fall, don't fall for the fall in legacy operating earnings. So that blue line there is your analysis of uh, core earnings, core priced earnings, right? And the red dashed line is uh, price to operating earnings. Did I get that's that? Spencer, that's just the operating earnings. The, the, the oh, other chart okay. I said shows the price to earnings ratio and, okay. and the, the when you use a PE on the bad number versus our number, yeah, you see a lot. It, it really accentuates the differences. Here, it doesn't seem like that big a deal, except in the recent period. But you go back to 2008, the financial crisis, you're really getting a false signal on, on the uh, operating, traditional or legacy operating earnings versus our number. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll pull it up there right now so we can see a chart. Going back to the last time we had a major crisis here, uh, operating earnings, or price to core earnings, Price to operating earnings, you can see uh, December 08 there as the market bottomed early 09. Uh, core earnings fell, operating earnings did not. Well, no, I think the, the, the PE there, this one is the PE chart, right? So our PE went way lower because our um, core earnings did not fall as much as the right, traditional right, core. Right. So, the, so the price reaction really gave you a much clearer buy signal at the bottom. The black line is actually the price of the S&P right. 500. So why is there such a divergence here? Uh, because the core earnings numbers are overly pessimistic and taking into account too many unusual items. So the idea for core numbers and understanding businesses, like we're, we know we're not buying stocks for this quarter's earnings alone. We're looking at the sort of long-term recurring profitability of the business, right? And so when you have a bunch of unusual items, like COVID write-downs, asset write-downs, et cetera, the earning gets depressed by one-time items that are not recurring. So if you can strip out the unrecurring stuff and get to the core normalized operating profitability of the business, you're getting a much better proxy for what the market cares about in the medium and long term. And that's why it's a better number to, to build your analysis around. And then to take that one step further, uh, so... Uh, <laughs> How does this compare then to the, the argument about valuations and we're in a bubble? If you're looking at different, we're looking at different earnings essentially, right? You're looking at one, everyone else is looking at another. So how does that 
relate to this argument that oh, valuations are just so overblown? Well, look, I mean, that, I think that's for, for sure true in certain areas. But if you're scrubbing the numbers and looking a little bit deeper, you can still find some great value opportunities. And even if you're just going to resolve yourself to saying, hey, everything is super expensive, at least be in the ones that are not the most overpriced because you're looking at the wrong number, right? So um, it's always better to have better information. You know, what we do is widely available. And I always tell people, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have like a step back. So when, when Harvard Business School wrote a case study on new constructs, they, their, their primary quote for me was from meetings I had um, with institutional investors who said, yeah, David, your data is probably better, but as long as everyone else has the same bad data, okay with that. <laughs> uh, that is, isn't that Wall Street in a nutshell? Right? It's, it totally is. In a nutshell. Yeah. And so what I tell people now is that, you know, that, that sort of made sense back in the day before more people knew about us. But now that we've got, you know, a white paper from Ernst & Young, as well as Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan, statistically proving that the numbers are better and it's widely available, why not take the better number? Why not work with a better, safer number? You know, for some folks, you have a fiduciary responsibility to at least take into account the better number, especially if it's proven that way. And so, yeah, you know, things, a lot of things are really expensive. We do have a bunch of stocks we think are actually really nice and cheap based on core earnings. Let's talk um, about stocks. But I, I do think, like I'm hearing a lot of people say, we got to rotate out, out of some of these really expensive tech names, especially, and it's not just the tech, it's, the, it's, it's mostly their tech, but they're also just the firms that happen to have large allocations in the popular ETFs. And as part of the passive trading strategy and the crowded nature of that trade, so much money is just flowing blindly into those that it in turn flows blindly into these popular stocks. Yeah. And they're, they're really, I think they're right. I think Dennis is right. They're topped out. You want to be selling out of those into the, into the names that still have value. All right. So there are some stocks that you think are not super expensive uh, based on core earnings. And therefore, there is an opportunity here. Let's talk about some of those stocks. Yeah, you know, I think to, 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 to pick up on the bank thing you guys were just talking about, uh, you know, and, and when it, the, the stocks, we call this the see through the dip stocks. And these are stocks that we think are extremely attractive as long as you believe that we make it through COVID in a reasonable amount of time. Okay. And that means within the next five years, right? So anything sooner than that could be a real positive. And in addition to that, they all have valuations that imply that within 10 years, they won't be as profitable as they were five plus years ago, some of them 10 years ago. So they're, they're, they're trading as if, as if the, the current profit decline related to COVID is permanent. All right, I've already made a strong case as to why it's not gonna be permanent, it, permanently as bad as it is right now, for sure. So, such as who? JP Morgan is one of our favorite ones. And all of these, all of these uh, stocks on this list happen to be best in class operators, uh, so they're the highest return on capital, highest margin businesses. We think they're going to take share from the firms that don't survive. So they're going to come out of COVID even stronger than they went into it. Another one is, is Southwest Airlines, right? And I, and I, I think it's hard to argue that, that um, the airline business won't be the same after this. Uh, but when we rec first recommended Southwest, it was trading as if its profits were never going to get back to where they were back in 2013 and 14. And we think that that's probably just overly pessimistic. And um, this is by far the best operator. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing ads all over the internet whenever I'm even on my phone about how cheap uh, flights are on Southwest. They're gonna take market share coming out of this because they can afford 
to deal with lower capacity utilization and lower margins better than any of the other carriers because they're the best in class operator. So those are two, two examples right there of, of uh, big name stocks that aren't popular plays in the ETF world, but we think are going to be great medium and long-term plays in a COVID world. Uh, Southwest reports next Thursday. So everyone have that on your radar. If you're going to trade this thing, what about, I'm, I'm going through a couple more here, here. Uh, what about DR Horton, DHI? We've talked a little bit about the home builders, but not too much. And they're on your list as, as a stock that is trading as if it's going to be punished forever. Well, you know, if you look at your chart right here, we made the call around uh, in late March. So it's, you've seen it's already come back a lot. Um, that was a great example of just one that was, you know, a baby getting thrown out with the bathwater. Uh, they're very well diversified. They're moving into sort of lower income homes where there's more, I don't want to say low income, but not big mansions as much as everybody else. Uh, and so there's more long-term growth opportunity there uh, for those guys. And they were trading back in the March days. They were trading as if their profits were going to be permanently lower, um, as low as they were like 10 years ago. So it was just, that one was, um, I think it was more dentist style, right? Like buy the dip there as opposed to just, you know, uh, um, looking at core earnings. And, and in which case, both of those worked and lined up really well right there. But yeah, I mean, it's come back a lot. So I th it still has got upside. Uh, and, and, you know, the home building business in a lot of the world was really not hurt that much. It was de deemed an essential activity. And I think our supply ratio, we got a great chart in there that shows that sort of the supply of homes is still not anywhere near where it was during the financial crisis. So there's, there's still plenty of room for best in class operators to grow. David, what about this thought with the home builders there too? And I've been talking to some real estate agents and they're saying, you know, in the cities, you're starting to see just from COVID this, you know, um, move where people aren't liking to live. Some people aren't liking to live in apartment buildings as much as they used to. And it only takes a few people, you know, we're not saying everybody doesn't like living in apartment buildings, but let's just say 5% of people decide after this, you know, with this pandemic thing, you know, maybe I, you know, it, it would really suck right now to, you know, have been in a lockdown in an apartment building versus a home. Do you think some people, you know, that maybe live in apartment buildings might eventually look at this and say, maybe I want to move to a home. Like could this change, you know, some perception of say 5% yeah. of the population, because that would be a really good news for the home builders. Oh, I think it's absolutely happening in the big cities. There's massive fling of the cities. I mean, I, I've got friends that live in the suburbs of uh, Manhattan area and houses are being bought sight unseen in you know, Southern Connecticut and, and in the New York state suburbs. Uh, you guys are in that area. I mean, people are dying to get out of Manhattan. I mean, look, as a guy who lived in Manhattan, I loved it. But I'm telling you, if, um, you know, if, if, if I were having to sort of weigh whether or not I wanted to deal with the potential risk of living in a city where things are just so crowded and the subway is so essential, but such a magnifier of potential disease and infection, I, I mean, I think I'd be getting out too. And, and so I think we're seeing that. We're seeing that in the California areas. Look, I live in Nashville. And so we've got all kinds of, <laughs> folks want, wanting to move here I mean, you know and and, and we can't blame them um because it's it's a lower cost higher you know, lower cost and, and higher quality of living now unfortunately i think that trade is full we've had so many people move here so it's it's not a play anymore but yeah i mean i, I just a lot of friends of mine up in there in the city or even in the suburbs about commuting in just kind of said man i'm not doing that anymore i'm not i'm not i'm not going to the city i don't want to live in the city and and i think you're right dennis like all you need is a little bit on the margin 
you know, of people leaving and it's kind of already been happening for a long time. Like, you know, my opinion, like New York is so different than it was when I was there because, the, you know, younger people can't afford to really live in the city anymore. And it's kind of been taken over by uh, international millionaires and billionaires just looking to buy up real estate. And it just doesn't have the same vibe. And if you don't have that feel, it makes it really hard to, to stomach sort of the, de- you know, the, 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 the more challenging parts of being in New York, like the subway and the smells and the crowded and you know, all that stuff. <laughs> I, I would argue that's part of the charm, but hey, uh, David, I, there's a couple more stocks. You, ha- you sent us a list and for our listeners, you can find this, this list by going to a site, newconstructs.com. I'm just in the, the, the research tab on that site and there's a bunch of posts here and there's a list of stocks. You also like, uh, the, these are names that have been beaten down, uh, uh, Stocks that would would be uh, would benefit from a reopening, but have been beaten down hard. Uh, Darden Restaurants, Cisco, Hyatt Hotels, uh, Omnicom. I mentioned Southwest already. Simon Property Group. There's like five names really beaten down stocks, beaten down businesses that you like here. Yeah, I mean it's it's all the same theme. You know, they're they're trading as if profits won't be as high as they were five to ten years ago, and we we just think we're going to come through uh, COVID. Uh, and and in, the current, in the current environment where we've seen cities have to roll back reopenings, et cetera, the, the sentiment just pushes stuff down as if this is sort of a permanent feature of life uh, on earth. And, and we don't think it's permanent. We think there'll be a vaccine. We think there'll be herd immunity. We think there'll be combinations of those two things. Uh, we think that healthcare will allow us to live the kind of lives we're used to living and people are going to get back to living the way they used to live. And as long as that happens within the next 10 years, these stocks are really cheap. I should clarify Cisco was CYY, uh, SYY, not CSCO, uh, the, the, the food company, not the tech company. Uh, David Trainer is the founder and CEO of New Constructs. As I mentioned, you can learn more at their site, newconstructs.com. It's where I reading off a list of stocks that they like for earnings. David, thank you so much for the time and uh, stay safe out there. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, David. All right. Uh, 8.53. Let's do a couple of stocks from the chat. We were asked a while ago about Tesla. I haven't talked it so much today. Um, not sure what else there is to say. It, it, it's, it's sort of, I don't, I don't know if Tesla correlates to anything. It doesn't. Yeah. It was for a while though. It was leading tech. Now, is that going to happen today too? Uh-huh. Maybe this is not, you know what? Tesla, is it a reopening play? Is it a lockdown play? I mean, I don't it was know what, love it, even, every, you know, it was being love no matter what. I don't it, know. it really, it's, I, I would think it's a reopening play, you know, no. just logically speaking, obviously, you know, people, you know, that are sitting, want to get out and I would think it's reopening play, but then you could argue, well, maybe it's not because people want a fancy car to drive around and when they're not doing their other things. So it, it you're right. You know, Tesla typically just doesn't correlate to almost anything, but it has, as of late, been leading the NASDAQ. Now, is that going to happen today? We're up 25 points on Tesla. It's getting a nice bounce. Is this the kind of stock that directly benefits from the vaccine? Not like these other reopening stocks. So um, I just say yesterday's high, 1590, very important. What does it do there? I still think you had the blow off top at 1794. So I think there's some work to do before you can potentially get back to there. I mean, think about Workhorse. Not that these stocks have, you know, anything, you know, obviously Tesla's best in breed, but Workhorse had the blow off top. And, you know, it's been hanging out here for five, six, seven days now trying to figure out where it wants to go. And you got a real battle between the bulls and the bears here now on WKHS. So I think that's what Tesla's got to do too. I think it's going to battle in the 1500s for a while. 
the buy the dipper is saying we're eventually going to 2000, 3000, 4000. And then you've got, you know, other people like myself saying that was a blow off top. And maybe we got some work back, you know, maybe we're going to shake some more people out. I don't know where Tesla's going long, long term. Obviously, valuations always kept me out. But, you know, I can say, you know, this is just a storied stock and it's still the leader in electric cars. And obviously, you know, their story isn't going away. So it could cool off for a few days, but the story's not going away. And if it starts going into indexes and starts being become a major component in all these other ETFs, yeah. you could see the argument where Tesla could actually continue to go higher just for ETF reasons. So um, I think, you know, on a significant pullback, but right now it's a curveball. I'd use yesterday's range, 1431. You get down near there, maybe you're looking to buy. If you get up near 1590, I think you're looking to sell. That's short-term trading. Uh, if you were trading Disney last spring, you remember the impact that Disney Plus had on the stock. Yeah. Uh, Comcast has their answer, and that's going live today. Peacock, today is the first day of that. Uh, you're not seeing as much of an impact. Uh, on Comcast has way more diversified business than, than Disney uh, when it comes to content. Yeah. But uh, it's probably notable. I don't know how much impact. It's not having much of an impact yet on the stock. Not to say it couldn't, but... Um, it does, it, it does have a catalyst. We'll say that. Yeah. Uh, Mitch pointed this out. I'm long Comcast, full disclosure, because I thought that this catalyst might, you know, kickstart it, but it's not the case. It's not getting kickstarted here this morning. So we'll see as the day goes on. But right now, Comcast is showing some absolutely terrible relative weakness. So maybe it's a, you know, buy yesterday type trade when the stock rallied up and then sell on news. Um, or maybe, you know, it gets some life if, you know, they start to talk about it more in the major media. But yeah, Peacock launches today, but we're not seeing that Disney Plus type move in Comcast. We are not. Hey, here's one we haven't looked at for at least a week. Beyond Meat. I'm I traded sure. it. I had it overnight. I sold yeah. it at 130 in the pre-market this morning um, just for an overnight trade. You got the little low, 125, 27, 125, 88. You get up near two days highs, 136, 137, 140. So there's major, major, major resistance up between 135 and 140, which makes it a tougher trade here now. But you do have that 125's major support too. So I'd say lower 125's, maybe you're looking at it. It breaches that, then you get in the hell out. But I think this is more of a sell-the-rip opportunity. Not so much at 129, but who is to get up to like 135, 136? I think the easy money has been made and beyond me. It also has an ugly head and shoulders that has formed here now. So just from a technical basis, I don't love this chart. All right, I'm going to the chat, trying to catch a few more tickers. Um, someone's asking Dennis, uh, how high you think Moderna will, will go? I don't know if you can answer that or if you even have an answer for that. No, I think it already went. What's the pre-market high? I think we already saw it. Uh, let me figure it out for you. Uh, what, what, do we, what do we get to 90, 91, 92. Yeah, I think that's safe. 92. And, and that actually, so, and Moderna obviously was trading, you know, as high as $87 back. And if we just go, you know, to the charts there, I'm going back in the gap up back in early May. So now that becomes major resistance. Can it get above 87 or does it fail there again? Again, these vaccine plays and these, you know, therapy plays have typically been sell-on news events, although Novavax is starting to show life here again too. So they didn't hit it as hard as some of these other ones. So I, I, I book profits into these events, um, but 87 is huge for it. So can I get above 87? Because then it starts to get interesting again. I'm not chasing it this morning. Though. We're at 86 and change right now. Uh, all right, we'll do one more fast uh, here. I saw PayPal. Let's look at PayPal. 
that's going to probably be weaker here today. So that is more of a play on lockdown. It's been running, running because people are buying more stuff online using PayPal online. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if PYPL goes red here today. It's holding green slightly in the pre-market, but I wouldn't want to own this stock for today. If it dipped significantly, I love PayPal, love the business. If I was long in my long-term account, I would probably still hold on to it. I still regret selling PayPal. I sold it way back in the day. I had it from an eBay spinoff, and I sold it years ago, and I wish I would have never sold it. It's a stock that I always want to put back in my long-term portfolio, and I never did. So love the business, love the stock, significant pullbacks. I would be a buyer, significant pullbacks being down like 140. Um, I would be a buyer. But I think as a day trade here, I would not want to be buying PayPal this morning. This is the kind of stock that could actually get hit. Unless the right. rotation swings back. I mean, if the, all these stocks, American Airlines and all them open up and start tanking again, yep. then you got to watch the rotation because it can change intraday too. And obviously we're not with you all day. We're not talking with you guys all day. Watch the rotation. Boeing, again, will be one of your leaders of reopening. If Boeing opens and starts running higher, then you can say the reopening trade is strong. If Boeing opens at like 186.5 and starts tanking down to 184, 183, 182, then you can say, oh, well, we might re-rotate back into some of those tech names. But money is right at the, of this time rotating out of tech and into the reopening stocks. And you can clearly see that. QQQ up 0.5%, IWM up 3.1%. So you can see the rotation clearly there. Yeah, that's something we should mention is you did, but their rotation can flip like that. It can flip so, so quickly. And you know, you've got to be aware and you've got to look at those leaders to really give you a feel for the rotation. Yeah. I've used Boeing as a rotation indicator for a long time. Like I've been saying, I've been using Tesla for an indicator on, on tech, although I don't know if that's going to apply as much today. It's been working well. It worked well on the sell-off on Tesla two, three days ago because it led most of the other tech stocks. Uh, but there's not a hard relationship there. It's been a relationship I've noticed for the last few days. Relationships change. And if you can identify them early, there's no algos that are programmed for that. You can obviously exploit the inefficiencies of that relationship if you can notice it early. All right. Uh, that'll be a wrap of today's show. You can always catch the replay of it on YouTube or catch our podcast on every major podcast uh, platform. Thanks to our guest, Dave Trainer. Thanks to all of you in our chats on YouTube, on premarket.benzinga.com, or even our new page, benzinga.com slash premarket-prep, and also all of you on Benzinga Pro. Uh, speaking of Benzinga Pro, there's a link in the description of this video. You can go to that link, get a free trial and subsequent discount to Benzinga Pro should you choose to subscribe. Uh, you can always email us, premarket at benzinga.com. Send us your feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. We appreciate it as always. And please rem remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or training advice. Also, smash that like button. We appreciate the likes. I'm, I'm counting likes now. That's what my life has come to. I've, <laughs> I'm counting likes. So we appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hit that like button. Thank you very much. Everyone have a good rest of your Wednesday. We'll be back with uh, Jason Rasnick as our guest tomorrow at 8 a.m. Uh, in the meantime, everyone have a good rest of your day and stay safe. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.